Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Well, today we're kicking off a new series called God Privilege. Before we get into that, go ahead and turn to somebody next to you and say, you made a good choice being here today, and I'm glad you're here. If you're joining us online, I want to say hey to you too. Thanks for being with us. It's great to hear the Word of God over the internet, but if you ever have a chance to be here with us in person, we would love to have you here. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade. I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth, and here at No Limits, we're here to help you know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. And in this series, I'm going to teach you how to live in God privilege. In other words, I'm going to show you how to live in the promises of God. Anybody want to do that? There's so much available to you as a child of God. So much available to you. So many promises, so many gifts. And here's the deal. You're most likely leaving most of them on the, on the table because of ignorance or wrong thinking. And ignorance is easy to overcome because somebody tells you the truth and now you know, right? But wrong thinking is a bit more challenging. You have to be willing to admit that you're wrong in order to receive the truth. Even when you know that you're wrong, it's hard to admit that you're wrong. I mean, just ask a kid to apologize when they've hurt somebody, and you'll see what I mean, right? Sorry. (laughs) Let me be honest. This series is going to rub you the wrong way at least once, if not every Sunday. It's going to stir up some religious demons that have been pets, family pets, for a really long time. Yeah. I'm telling you ahead of time so that when it happens, you'll at least consider the fact that you might be wrong. Like, I'm just asking you to consider it, because when you're open, it opens you to breakthrough. And that's what I want you guys to have. You see, the promises of God are vast. They're huge. They're endless. And in this series, we're going to focus on three of them. Wealth, health, and protection. We're going to start with God's promise of wealth. And this is going to take several weeks, because if there's any one subject in the church that Christians struggle with the most, it's money. Most of the time when pastors talk about money, all they talk about is generosity. And it's important to talk about generosity because that's how God's financial system works. But we're going to talk about more than generosity. I'm going to teach you how to see money from God's perspective. This is not only going to cause you to prosper, it's going to set you free from the things that have been holding you back from fulfilling what God has asked you to do. Anybody realize that you need some resources to do what God asks you to do? And sometimes we're held back because we don't have those resources. Well, it's time to get those resources because they're waiting for us. Let me start by establishing the truth that God wants you to prosper. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to prosper. He wants everybody to prosper. This doesn't mean that we're all going to have the same level of prosperity. But we are all called to prosper. I'm going to prove it to you in scripture, but first let me give you my definition of godly prosperity. More than enough for my family, plus an overflow to accomplish everything God asks me to do. Now let me show it to you in scripture. 2 Corinthians 9.8, God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So let's break this down. What does the word sufficient mean? Go ahead and shout it out to me. What does sufficient mean to you? Enough? Everything you need? Any others? What does sufficient mean? 
Let me show you the definition of the Greek word that was used for, in this verse for the word sufficiency. This is autarkia, and it means a perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. Sufficiency in the necessities of life. That's good. And this is what it looks like to live in God privilege. You always have all sufficiency in all things. Not a day goes by without more than enough to take care of my needs. That's what that means. So say this with me. God's undeserved favor is pouring into my life and providing everything I could ever need. And that's only part of the scripture. Let's look at it again. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you having always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So not only do you have sufficiency for the necessities of life, but you have an abundance on top of that for every good work. You have way more than you need to take care of yourself so that you have the extra that you need to take care of others and to do what God has asked you to do. And that's how you know if you're living in the promises of God. If this scripture doesn't describe your life, then you better listen closely for what you need to change in your life so the scripture can describe your life because it's supposed to describe your life. Can you see that God wants you to prosper? Yes. Can you see why he wants you to prosper? He wants you to have a perfect condition of life. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, no debt, no government aid needed. Amen. The government wants you to have their aid. Reject it because you don't need it. You got God privilege. He wants this for you because he loves you. He wants to take care of you first. Let that soak in. He wants to take care of you first. And once you're taken care of, then he's going to equip you for every good work. You got to let that soak in. God doesn't expect you to go without because you're out there doing good works. No, he wants to make sure you're taken care of first. He wants to always make sure that you always have everything that you need. Always. Always. We serve a good God who cares for us. He calls us his children. He wants us to be blessed so much that we don't even have to think about our own needs. There's always more than enough. He wants us to get to a place where our only thought about money is, God, what do I do with all this extra? That should be our only thought about money. What do I do with all this extra? God's promise of wealth is nothing new. It was even available to those in the old covenant before Jesus. Take a look at this. Deuteronomy 28. It says, the Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work that you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. Prosperity has been God's idea. Since the very beginning, he wants you to have more than enough for your family, plus an overflow for every good work, everything he asks you to do. So say this with me, God wants me to prosper. So why do Christians struggle with prosperity? Let me ask you this. Do you think God is scared for you to prosper? But maybe he's concerned that, that money will take over your life, and so... He has to make sure that you stay nice and humble. Or do you, think scare, do you think Satan is scared for you to prosper? Because if you have an abundance for every good work, you're going to be making quite the impact for the kingdom of God. So does God steal from you or does Satan steal from you? Does God provide for you or does Satan provide for you? I ask you these questions to help you get to the bottom of this. Who is the one behind making Christians think that prosperity is a bad thing? 
Satan. He doesn't want you to prosper. No, sir. He wants you to spend your entire life worried about meeting your own needs. He wants you to struggle so you don't even have time to think about helping others. Yep. That should make you mad. It should make you real mad. All this time you thought it was God keeping you from prosperity when it's been Satan keeping you from prosperity all this freaking time. Yo, there's not one of us that hasn't been influenced by Satan's attempt to keep us from prosperity. Because we've been trained by the church to be poor. We've been trained by culture that business and profit is a bad thing. So let's dig into this. I want to expose the lies of the enemy so the truth can set you free. Let me start by asking you a challenging question. Is the pursuit of money evil? Mm. You see, the church seems to have a love-hate relationship with business leaders. Churches want the tithe from these high earners, right? But then they speak down to those who focus their entire life growing a business. We think the only way for them to be redeemed from the evil of business is to give loads of money to charitable causes. It's the only way to redemption. I mean, all they do is take from society, so they better give back. Let's use Apple as an example. They are now valued over $2 trillion. This is larger than the economy of most countries, including Canada, Australia, and Mexico. That's crazy. Apple should be ashamed of themselves for creating a business this big. Y'all, maybe we should get the government involved to take most of their profits and give them to the poor. That's how most of America thinks. They're like, where is Cade going with this? Most of America thinks this way because we've been trained to think that way. We've all been indoctrinated to think that business and profit are inherently bad And all that starts at a young age. Think of the high school teacher who asked her students to stand up and tell the class what career path they have chosen and why. So one boy stands up and he says, I want to become an environmental scientist so I can ensure clean air and water for all. And the class applauds. Yeah, that's so awesome. The next student informs the class they want to become a medical researcher so they can help find the cure for AIDS. Everyone cheers, right? Yeah, that's so awesome. Another student reveals she wants to become a teacher so she can help challenge students, fulfill their dreams. And everybody just smiles in adoration of this honorable pursuit. And finally, the last student is asked of his plans, and he kind of hesitates. He says, "Uh, I want to create a profitable business empire so I can supply products and services that make life better and provide jobs to my community. And the class just kind of looks at him confused. Like, yeah, you just want to be rich. And then we watch movie after movie after TV show that portrays the business CEO as some jerk that takes advantage of all of his employees and earns his fortune from illegal activity. You know, this is something that has progressed over time because in 1965, television shows portrayed businessmen as good guys twice as much as bad guys. And this reversed in the 1970s when you would see two business villains for every one good guy. And these days, I don't know if there's any shows that portray the businessman as a contributor to society. Right? Instead, big business has become Hollywood's favorite villain. And last week, we talked about God calling our church to go into all the world through the seven mountains of influence. And I explained how the seven mountains determine the culture of a nation. They shape how we think, and they shape what we do. 
So one of these mountains is entertainment. And can you see how Hollywood has shaped how we think about business? They've shaped it. They've warped it. Because of all these movies and TV shows, most of us think that most business owners are greedy and bad people because of the movies that we watch and the TV shows that we watch. So let's go back to Apple. How have they become the most valuable company that ever existed? Culture wants you to believe that it's because they take from society. Yet I don't know anyone that was ever forced to buy an iPhone. I don't. We buy it because we want it. Apple is wealthy because they've created products that contribute to society. They enable us to work faster, communicate better, and even have a little fun while we're at it, right? What's their reward for contributing great products to society? Money. Lots of money. And the reason they have lots of money is because they've added lots of value to society. Why do you get paid for your job? Because you work, because you contribute to the business. And your reward is, dun, 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 you guessed it, money. All right. And the amount of money you earn is in relation to the amount of value that you add to the business. That's a hard one to take in sometimes. You see, if you work a job that anyone can do just after a few days of training, then your contribution is much smaller than somebody who spent years developing a skill on their own time, and they bring that to the business. That's why a doctor gets paid more than a janitor. The janitor doesn't have to spend years developing a skill or pay for continuing education. They don't even have to take their job home with them. But the doctor does. So let me give you a tip. If you want to increase your income, it starts at home. It starts at home. You have to invest your own time into developing skills that will add more value to the business you're working for. And most of us think, but Kate, I don't get paid for that. You will eventually. You will eventually. But you got to invest first. You're going to have to turn off the TV. You're going to have to get off the couch. And you're going to have to spend your evenings developing skills instead of doing all that stuff. You see, learning new skills is frustrating. And it's tiring. Man, it's hard, especially when you're just getting started. But watching TV and playing video games, y'all, that's fun. That's easy. It's fun. And that's why most people live a barely enough life, because your income is a direct reflection of the value that you add to the business that you're working for. So how much of your own time are you spending making yourself more valuable to the business you're working for? That's my question to you today. How, how, much, more time, how much time are you spending on that? I'm talking about when you're off the clock, right? When you're at home. For example, let's contrast two different photographers. One purchased a nice camera, but only uses it when getting paid to take photos. He shows up to the shoot, he takes pictures, he does a quick edit, and then he's done until the next paid photo shoot. And then another photographer, they bought the same camera. In between photo shoots, she spends her free time taking her own pictures, learning from her mistakes, trying again, and then she enrolls in courses that teach her how to edit the pictures, remove the blemishes, and get the coloring just right. She offers free photo shoots just so she can get more practice with her camera. Who do you think is going to end up earning more money in the long run? You know who it is. It's the second one, because she put in the time and effort to serve her clients better. Let me show you how a Jewish rabbi, Daniel Lappin, explains this. He says, deep within Traditional Jewish culture lies the conviction that the only real way to achieve wealth is to attend diligently to the needs of others. 
and to conduct oneself in an honorable and trustworthy fashion. Although there are people who get rich by taking advantage of others, it happens. There are far more people who get wealthy because they are doing a tremendous job serving others. This is hard for us to wrap our heads around because we've been trained to hate business and that profit is evil. So let me, make, let me take this one step further so you can see that I'm telling you the truth. So over the years, U.S. culture has been trained to be more judgmental about money than any other human pursuit. You might not read People magazine, and actually I hope you don't. But a lot of people do. And what that means is that what you see in the People magazine reflects the values of a lot of Americans. And they once had a cover story called The Greatest Love Stories of the Century. Ah, oh, that sounds so sweet. I can't wait to read that one. And believe it or not, more than half of the couples in the list were committing the good old-fashioned sin of adultery. For example, one of the couples mentioned was Frank Sinatra and Ava Gardner. However, they failed to mention Frank Sinatra's wife and three children at the time of this adulterous relationship. And then exactly two weeks later, Newsweek published a story entitled Corporate Killers. The story concerned layoffs, and it said, you lose your job, and the CEO gets a fat raise. Newsweek mentioned that how 137,000 workers had lost their jobs in the companies that they were highlighting in this story. But what they failed to mention is that the U.S. economy at the time was adding 137,000 new jobs every three weeks. In other words, there was a heck of a lot more good business going on than bad business. So here's what our culture is broadcasting. If you cause pain to others while pursuing sexual pleasure, you're going to find understanding and sympathy. However, if you are a business person causing even the slightest discomfort to others, you're condemned and immoral. So American culture celebrates almost anything in pursuit of sex, but tolerates very little in the pursuit of money. And this begs the question, do you really want to look to culture to determine what's moral and what's not? Lord, no. I hope I've convinced you that that's a bad idea. Most of the time, you can look at what culture says as moral and assume that it's not. And likewise, if they say it's immoral, you can assume they're telling you a lie. Back to our question, though. Is the pursuit of money evil? Let's turn to Scripture now for the answer. You've, you, you've probably heard this one before. Verse Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the, truth, from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So you've likely heard somebody use this scripture to scare you away from money, right? They're like, money is evil. Stay away from it. But that's not what it says. Money is not evil. The love of money is evil. Let me ask you this. Do you have to have money to love money? Hmm. Are there rich people who love money? Yeah. Are there poor people who love money? Yeah. Yeah. Can you determine? So you can't determine if someone loves money based on the amount of money they have. You can't determine if they, you can't. Although we like to think we can. I mean, we're really quick to condemn a Christian who drives a nice car or lives in a nice house, especially if they're a church leader or a business person. They must love money. Can I be honest with you? If I haven't stepped on your toes already, I'm getting ready to. I might stomp this time, actually. If you get upset about someone else having nicer things than you, it only reveals that you love money. (laughs) 
And this love for money is expressing itself through jealousy. This is one of those religious demons I was telling you about, so I might feel like I'm killing the family pet right now. And I am, because these things need to be revealed for us to move forward. Let's do another one. All right. Did you know that poverty is just as evil as greed? They both spend all they have on themselves. Poverty might just be worse, because not only do you spend all you have on yourself, but you think you have a right to what other people have. And because of this, we should all be just as passionate about eliminating poverty as we are about eliminating greed. They're both evil. Yet somehow we bought into the idea that a vow of poverty is somehow spiritual. You know, that we're somehow doing God a favor by accepting poverty as our life sentence. That's why you hear things like, you know, I'm not looking to be rich. I just need enough for my family. Could you be any more selfish? I mean, here's what you're really saying. All that matters is me and mine. Screw the rest of y'all. The idea that God expects us to be poor doesn't even make sense, right? God commands us to care for the poor. And I think one of the poorest ways to care for the poor is to be poor. It's not that God doesn't want you to have money. God just doesn't want money to have you. Right? And get this, not all who love money become rich. We tend to think if you love money, you're going to become rich. It doesn't happen that way. You can be poor and love money. You can be middle class and love money. You can be rich and love money. The opposite's also true. You can be poor and not love money. You can be middle class and not love money. You can be rich and not love money. Money is not evil. Pursuing money is not evil either. Building a profitable business is not evil. Providing a good life for your family is not evil. Let's take it a step further. You'll appreciate this one, Anthony. Firing employees who don't do their job well is not evil. You know, God would even go so far as calling them wicked and lazy on their way out. You wicked and lazy person, get out of here. Seriously, go read the story. Just Google wicked and lazy in the Bible. You'll find the story. It's good. But the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Loving money will lead you down a path of complete destruction. So how do you know if you love money? It's when money replaces God in your life. It's when your identity is tied up in how much money you have or how much money you don't have. I mean, some people pride themselves in being poor. Some people pride themselves in being rich. Both of these reveal a love for money. When your trust in money exceeds your trust in God, you've been infected with the love of money. When you ignore what the Holy Spirit led you to do in order to protect your income or your bank account, you've been infected with the love of money because you're trusting your money more than you're trusting God. Ouch. Have I killed all the family pets yet? <laughs> if you don't get what I've told you today, you'll never walk in God's promise of abundance. You won't. Why? Because if you believe that making money is selfish, you'll undermine the promises of God. He'll be trying to get them to you. You'll just be pushing them away. Can't have that. But if you kill that sacred cow and embrace the truth that earning money is simply a sign that you're serving others well, you'll end up in, the God, in God's promise of wealth and prosperity. So some of you feel guilty for earning money. So use what you've learned today to shave off that guilt. You should not feel guilty at all. Even if your income is huge, you should not feel guilty for that. 
That means you're serving people well. Good job. Very good job. And some of you need to ask your boss for a raise. You need to ask your boss for a raise. You do. But that demonic spirit of poverty has sealed your mouth shut because you don't think you deserve it. So I break that off you today. And I ask God to reveal your tremendous worth and to open your mouth. Go ask him. Go ask her for that raise. And some of you have been stuck in poverty because you've been griping at everybody who has more than you. I was there. That's why I speak so strongly about this. I've had my fair share of griping at people who had more than me. You think they should give you what they have. But you need to repent. You need to repent. You need to turn from your wicked ways so that God can prosper you. So let's wrap this up with a few confessions. I want you all to say these with me. So let's say this one. I refuse to think or speak negatively about those who have more than me. I refuse to do it. I'm not going to do it ever. Never again. God wants me to prosper. I expect opportunities in favor. I have the power to create wealth. Yes, I am a conduit for what God wants to do in the world. And that's why it's so important for every single person to walk in God privilege. We can't accomplish what God wants us to do if we refuse the promises of God. Just can't do it. It's going to take great wealth to go into all the world and make a disciple, make disciples of the nation. It takes great wealth. And the amount of wealth needed for that might freak us out, but God's like, this is no big deal. Ain't nothing. I own this place. Would you all just receive it? God is willing. God is able to get this tremendous wealth to us, but we have to get to a place where we can receive it. And not only that, but we got to get to a place where we will put in the effort to go out and do what it takes to generate this wealth. Because it ain't going to show up in the mailbox, y'all. You got to get your hands dirty and you got to get busy. He gives you the power to create wealth, though. He shows you the businesses to start. He shows you what to do. Y'all, there's wildly profitable businesses that are going to be birthed right here out of our church. Wildly profitable. Like, it's going to blow, blow our minds. It's going to be awesome. And those who are going to start these businesses are sitting right here or listening online right now. I'm serious. So let's ask the Holy Spirit for direction because it's time to go. It's time to do this. We're not waiting for anything. This wealth has got to come now. We got to start taking steps now. So go ahead and bow your heads. If you all cue up that music back there, let's invite the Holy Spirit in to speak to us today. Holy Spirit, we're looking to you for the next step. We're looking to you on what to do. We believe that you give us the power to create wealth. We believe that you give us creative ideas. We believe that you enable us to learn quickly. We believe that you give us favor and connections. You give us favor with man, favor with God. You do everything it takes to help us accomplish this. But we got to work. So I ask you to break off the spirit of laziness in this room in Jesus' name. We won't have you here. We break the spirit of poverty in Jesus' name. We won't have you here. You're not welcome here. And I break off the spirit of shame and guilt in Jesus' name. Just because you haven't been doing this up until this point doesn't mean you need to leave today feeling shameful and guilty. You just need to leave here with a renewed fire on the inside of you to receive the promises of God. Shake off the guilt. Leave it here. Don't take that with you. 
All you got to do is repent. And all repent means is to turn. You were headed the wrong direction. Now you realize that and you're going to turn around and head the right direction. Easy peasy. God, I know what you want to do through this church. We can't even dream it. We can't even think it. Even if you took a moment right now to think of the the wildest outcome of a business that you want to start, God wants to exceed that. He's like, all you got to do is ask me. All you got to do is cooperate. All you got to do is stop griping about other people who have more than you. It's simple. May not be, some things aren't easy, but they're simple, right? Lord, we thank you for the truth today. We ask you to break off all those years of indoctrination that we've had from media and from entertainment and all this nonsense and all these lies that we've been believing about business and profit and money. Break all that off of us in Jesus' name. Break it off in an instant. Just get rid of it. Free us from that and open our eyes to what you want to do in our lives. If you believe you're one of those who's supposed to start a business, will you stand up for me? Good. All right. Any others? You believe that you're going to start one of those wildly profitable businesses. This isn't a business that's going to fail or suffer. This is a wildly profitable business that you're going to start because it has God's favor on it has God's hand on it. He's going to walk with you. Doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. You won't have to put in the work. You won't have to put in the work. But you're going to have favor along the way and the outcome is going to be glorious. All those in the room who agree with this prophecy that these ladies and fellows are going to have profitable businesses, just reach your hand towards them and agree with me in this. Lord, I ask you to start now to fill each of these standing with creative ideas and show them their next step. I know there's a lot of steps that they need to take, but show them their next step and help them to not get overwhelmed with the many steps that need to happen. Just one step at a time, the next step, and then the next step, and then the next step. I rebuke the spirit of overwhelm in Jesus' name. And I rebuke the spirit of inadequacy in Jesus' name. You have what it takes. You have what it takes to do this. This is God telling you this. You have what it takes to do this. I've put it on the inside of you. Now pull it out and walk in it. No more fake humility. No more of that. Humble yourself before God. Say, God, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. So Lord, I ask you to fill everybody standing with boldness and courage. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Overflow in Jesus' name. Fill them with the Holy Spirit so they have the boldness and courage to step out into these things. You're going to have to go and talk to people that you're intimidated by, but you're going to talk to them with boldness and courage. You're going to have to make decisions that intimidate you. That's okay, because God's with you. And you trust Him as your provider. And you trust Him with the next step. Oh God, that step sounds kind of crazy. 
but I'm going to do it anyway. Then he'll give you the next step. Praise God. Everybody in the room, let's just worship God for who he is and what he's doing in our lives. God, we honor you. We love you. We look to you as our source, as our provider. God, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are our creator. You own the entire earth. There is nothing you can't do. Nothing you can't do. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do nothing on my own, but I can do all things through Christ. And God, we thank you that as this supernatural abundance comes into our lives, we'll know exactly what to do with this. Do with it. You'll show us where to put it. You'll show us how to invest it. You'll show us where to give it. We'll just know by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I know what this is for. And we won't hesitate. One last thing, I rebuke the spirit of greed. That's not going to overtake us. I know that's something that Christians get concerned about, that when people start prospering, they'll get greedy, but that's not going to happen here. Lord, surround us with the accountability that we need to make sure that never happens. That we never develop a love for money, but we always just love you and are obedient to you and are focused on you. So we dedicate this to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Father. Let's not rush out of this moment. Let's give the Holy Spirit some time. Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do and whoever you want to work through, if the Holy Spirit's leading you to do something, you're welcome to do it now. This isn't money related. I just, I feel the desire to share a, I would call it a victory for me. Um, so it's very small by my standard. Um, these past couple of weeks for no reason that I know of, my pinky right at the knuckle joint has been in pain whenever I bend it. Uh, like I said, it's been the last two weeks I've just let it be there. And yesterday, while I was uh, cleaning up after a wedding here at the church, I finally 
got frustrated enough with myself that I went to God and said, Hey God, I'm sorry this took so long, but I'm tired of having my pinky being in constant pain. So Lord, I gave it to you and I pray that you manifest the healing power that you have provided for me. And for the rest of the day, and even now, it's perfectly fine. No problems, no pain, nothing at all. All right, this is kind of money related, right? Follow up on what Kate said. Um, so, so here's something that you guys might be battling with, and it's it's indecision. Right, so I went to lunch with some one of my friends one time. And they asked me if there was anything I could tell them that would help them the most. I was like, "Hey, indecision is nothing. Indecision is the worst thing. God can't help you if you don't move, and you don't move if you don't decide. Right? He can fix bad mistakes. Right? If you take, if you make a wrong decision, that can be fixed. Indecision can't be prepared because there's nothing happened, guys." So that fear, that indecision, doing nothing is the worst possible thing you can do. Nothing good happened from indecision. Choosing to do nothing is a decision. I don't, 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 don't get that mixed up, right? So sometimes your decision is to do nothing. That is not indecision. Indecisions when you're at the fork in the road and you just lay down and stop. That's indecision. So when you're praying on these things, when you're looking for a prosperity, when you're talking about starting these businesses or whatever you're being called to do, if you just stand there, nothing's going to happen. But if you move, even if you mess up, it can be fixed. But if you don't move and you don't go after it, nothing's going to happen. So just keep that in mind. I just wanted to add on to what Mason was saying a while ago. So God healed his pinky and God's a leader. So he likes to lead by example. He's trying to show us, hey, he cares about the small things. And this applies to your finances. You gotta be faithful in the little and God will bless you with much. And so that's what, what I got from that. He's trying to show everybody that. But even though he cares about the small things and so should you, you can't stay small <laughs> because you're gonna grow and he wants to prosper you. He won't let you stay small. You won't stay small. And when you get where you're prospering, I think of King Solomon back in the Old Testament, then people will start seeking you out. You will be sought out. And we all know if you read King Solomon, he was sought out by the Queen of Sheba. And he had so much tremendous wisdom that he just poured out into her that she left him with like gold and wealth, you know. So that basically what I get from that is God's going to grow you. He's going to prosper you. You're going to serve people in a mighty, massive way. Everybody who comes to you. And, um, and then he's going to grow your finances so that you can do more for him. But you got to be faithful in little things. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff. So in the past few months, the Lord has been working with me about truth and lies, belief, unbelief. We've been talking about it in Sunday school. And um, so I know that God has put on my heart to start a business. And I was 
passionately about about doing it. I was I had the passion about doing it, and then I started getting the voices of, "Is there really a need for that? You don't have the finances." So it was this little voice, these voices that come in and discourage you from moving forward in that very thing that you know God put on your heart. And so then you're, well, how am I going to do this? And nobody else believes. Not that they have to, but it's this discouragement that comes along. Recently, he gave me the scripture, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn away from their sin, I will hear, no, sorry, and turn from my from their wicked ways. Then I will hear your hear you from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And it's like he gave that to me, and then I saw it somewhere else and in in something else. And I'm like, okay, this keeps coming up. And I'm like, what's the sin? You're giving this to me because you're wanting me to see something. And then I kept getting, what's sin? Sin, we had that in, that Mark ministered and he asked the question, what's sin? So I started looking up, what's sin? What really is sin? Sin is unbelief. It's unbelief. It started in the garden with Eve. God told her, do not eat of the tree or you shall die. And Satan and his little voice, here comes the voices. Surely you shall not die. No, she should have said, shut up. Shut up. This is what God said to me. I will die. But she believed. So I'm just going to encourage all of you. If God has said, if you have a desire in your heart, God put that desire there. He puts those desires in our hearts. So I encourage you, get with people who are going to encourage you. I'll encourage you. I'll walk with you. I'll help you. I'll help you move forward in your dream. Don't let your dreams subside. Move forward in what God has said. We spoke about that this morning. You said you see something, but God said, do what God said. Don't do that something else. Do what God said. Jason, you got me excited. I thought you were heading up here. (laughs) Everything today, the message today, the words today, they're not just for people who feel called to start a business. They're for every person in the room. We weren't just talking about business. We were just talking about money in general. So let me tell you something. I expect all of you to get a raise at work. All of you who work for, I expect you to get promoted, to get a raise. And you're going to get a raise because you're going to put in the work at home to develop yourself and become more valuable to the business that you work for. I expect it. I'm not old enough to be your dad. My kids are small, but talking like a dad this morning. 
can't call me Pastor Papa like my dad yet. God wants you to prosper. He commands you to prosper. It's got to happen. It's got to be done. So Lord, we thank you for your truth today. Help us to embrace it. Hold on to it. Kill all those religious demons. I know they're going to be barking at the door in the morning. We aren't going to let them in, though. (laughs) Lord, we love you. And we're grateful that you've called us and blessed us. And that we, you consider us your children. That you love us. Lord, we receive your love today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, go ahead and bring those lights back up. Can you all tell I'm a little passionate about talking about money? And the reason is I'm not telling you anything that I haven't had a revelation of myself. So if you ever look at me and you're like, how is Cade prospering? I'm letting you into my head through this series. These are the things that I've been living out for years now. I had to get over the fussing about other people being more well-off than me and not giving me what they had. And I had to, I had to work through all that stuff. And as soon as I worked through all that stuff, I began to prosper. It's awesome. And you're going to do the same. I'm excited. Well, something that, you, that you're going to learn in the coming weeks is that God's promise of wealth does not come without generosity. It, is, it doesn't happen. Even the scripture we read earlier about you having all sufficiency in all things, that was a great scripture, wasn't it? If you read a few verses before that, that promise is only for those who are generous. So I'll explain that as in detail as we work through the series, but you might as well just get a head start by going ahead and deciding now, I'm going to be faithful to be generous right here at church with the people here at church. I'm going to be generous whenever I go out to eat after church. I'm going to give them a good tip. I'm just going to start being generous. And if you're giving by cash or check today, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you an offering envelope. Of course, you can give online anytime, and that's at nolimits.fyi. You head there and you tap a giving button. It'll get you where you need to go. Thank you so much for joining us, and a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.